Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Well, thank you, Mr. Joe and everybody else this morning, helping us worship our Lord and Savior. Today we begin a new sermon series. We just finished up a series titled, Does the Bible Really Say? Where we went through different things that we think that the Bible says, but then upon further investigation, we realize that maybe the Bible doesn't quite say what we think that it says. Today we begin this new sermon series. It's titled right here on the screen for you, Persecution, Deception, disobedience, all having to do with things that happened in the letter to the church in Thessalonica titled Second Thessalonians. We're going to spend seven weeks in this magnificent letter, but before we continue, I'd like to give you just a little bit of background concerning this letter to the church in Thessalonica. And one of the first things that I would like to share with you, and these are things that we need to keep in mind as we get into this letter, and the first thing would be this. This is the second letter, obviously. goes without saying, right? Not the first letter to the church in Thessalonica. It's the second letter. But this letter encourages the Thessalonians in their faith, despite persecution, despite deception, and despite disobedience. And this is important because it clears up misunderstandings about the Lord's return. This letter addresses the coming Antichrist. In fact, there are 12 verses within this letter detailing the day of the Lord. Ultimately, our tagline for this series, as you see, persecution, deception, and disobedience will act as our backdrop. So as we go through this letter, keep these three words in mind because they are the backdrop as we approach this magnificent letter written to this particular church at a particular time in history. Let's pray. Lord, we now transition to the proclamation of your word Our prayer is to be a church that is convicted by your truth. Convicted for the purpose of going forward with the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that we can be a church that fulfills your great commission. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Muhammad Ali. Some of you chuckled already. I just mentioned his name. Probably one of the greatest trash talkers of all time. Probably one of the greatest boasters of all time. He said such things as, and I'm just going to read his quotes. This isn't me saying this about myself. This is Muhammad Ali talking about Muhammad Ali. He said this. He said, I am the greatest. I said that even before I knew I was. He said, I am young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I can't possibly be beat. If my mind can achieve it, or actually, excuse me, if my mind can conceive it and my heart believe it, then I can achieve it. 
He went on to say this. He said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Now, let's face it. Boasting is not well received by others now, is it? However, I believe Muhammad Ali was able to boast and get away with it because of his entertainment value. People tuned into his trash talking or his boasting and bragging about himself because they appreciated the entertainment value that it brought to the table. But as for us, it's probably best if we avoid any and all boasting now, isn't it? Well, maybe not all boasting. Church, as believers, we are allowed to boast. As believers, we are allowed to boast. After all, the Bible does say in Galatians 6.14, and just allow me to read these verses. They're not going to be on the screen. We're not necessarily covering these verses today in our sermon, but as it pertains to our ability to be allowed to boast, let's hear what it says in Galatians. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Therefore, I think it's safe for us to say that we can boast about Jesus. Also, I think it's safe to say that we can boast about our local church. That is, if said local church is saturated in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is precisely what we observe the Apostle Paul doing in the very beginning of 2 Thessalonians. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this, A Church to Boast About. A church to boast about. We're going to be in 2 Thessalonians as described. We're going to be in chapter 1, starting with verse 1 today and ending with verse 4. We begin this new series as it covers everything that we always like to cover when we begin a series, verse by verse, exposition of a letter in the Bible. And I'm excited about this series for a multitude of reasons. However, there is one reason in particular that has me more excited than any other reason. And that reason I will share with you now. See, 2 Thessalonians was penned in 51 AD or thereabouts. It's been a little bit disputed, but we're talking maybe two years. 50 to 52, we'll go with 51. We'll cut it down the middle, right? Even though it was written that long ago, the truths highlighted by Paul then are alive and well against the backdrop of society today. So with that being said, let's get into our text this morning. 2 Thessalonians starting with chapter 1, verse 1 and ending in verse 4. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. 
Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Amen. Here are four verses into one simple sentence. The one sentence that defines everything that we just read there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 4 states this, a church focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ despite circumstance is worth boasting about. A church focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ despite circumstance is worth boasting about. Now we're talking about church as in the local church, like us here at Villa's Grace. We're not talking about the universal church that is all of us as believers in Jesus. We're talking about the local church. The local church is worth boasting about. It is so worth it as long as we're focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ despite what is going on around us. Now let me tell you this story about a father. See, this father took his two sons to the fair. And upon arrival, the father bought tickets to the rides for his boys. He had two boys and they were at the fair, so the father was providing them the opportunity to ride the rides. When all of a sudden, one of the boys noticed a classmate who he in turn introduced to his father. See, after his introduction, the classmate asked the father, he was rather bold in asking this, but he said, can I have a ticket too? At which point the father replied, he said, I'm sorry, I cannot give you a ticket. These are for my boys to use. Then without hesitation, his son, that was the friend of the classmate, spoke up and said, Dad, it's okay, it's okay. I, I don't mind sharing. You can give him a ticket. So the father, encouraged by his son, gave his son's classmate a ticket to ride the rides. Brothers and sisters, th this is like us. See, when we come to God the Father, He looks to His Son Jesus for the okay. This is because the gift of the ticket is dependent upon the Son. The gift of our salvation is contingent upon Jesus Christ. And we call this gift grace. Paul encourages us, those in Thessalonica, as much in our first two verses this morning. See, the letter begins first and foremost with the names Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Paul coming first because Paul is the author, which is evidenced by his use of the first person pronoun throughout the entirety of this letter. But Silvanus was a companion of Paul during his second missionary journey. That's why he was written here. And Timothy, as we know, was a friend, a traveling companion, and a disciple of Paul's. Timothy actually, in my opinion, was a reflection of Paul as Paul follows Jesus, which means we should all have a Timothy in our lives. Because after all, didn't Paul say, follow me as I follow Christ? 
In essence, Paul is actually sharing credit with the authorship of this letter to Sylvanus and Timothy, and he did this for reason. Now, make note of how this letter begins. How does he begin this letter? He says, to the church of the Thessalonians. Simply put, church means the called out ones. Here at Villa's Grace Church, we are the called out ones. Ones, those of us who have a saving faith in Jesus. This is because we too are in God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says. Now, see, if we were just in God alone, we would be Jewish. We're not just in God alone, no. We are in the Lord Jesus Christ, which means we are Christians. Therefore, the beginning of verse 2 should resonate with all of us. Paul starts off by saying, grace to you. Grace to you, Thessalonians, Paul is saying. Grace to you, Fort Myrins, Paul is saying. How about our father with the tickets at the fair for his sons? That's right. Our ticket to eternal life is a gift. Our ticket to eternal life is contingent upon grace. After all, the grace of God looks for the Son's okay, which is why we are a church, because we are in God our Father and in the Lord, as it says, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, please allow me to encourage you in this. Not every gathering of religious people, not every gathering of religious people is a church. In fact, not every church that says they are a church is in fact a church. A church can only be a church if grace alone, faith alone, and Jesus is preached. And if grace alone, faith alone, and Jesus is accepted. That's what makes us a believer because it's the Son who gives the Father the okay. It's because of our faith in the Son's work. God in human form. Our Creator, Sustainer who left heaven and took on the creation in order to save us. It's our faith in His work. Too many so-called churches are really preaching a seven steps to a better whatever, I don't care. I don't know about you, but my best life will be my next life. If this is my best life, my next life, I don't want anything to do with. Now, grace is not all we've received, though. Faith in Jesus gives us, as Paul says here in the text, peace. Faith in Jesus gives us peace. Which is why verse 2 states, Grace to you and peace from our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. See, this reminds me of an account that I just read recently. See, there was a missionary. His name was James Walton. He was a missionary to the Munain people in the jungles of Colombia. Walton was there translating the New Testament for the Munain people. He was probably translating it into one of their tribal languages. 
And from this story, you can gather as much. But see, as he was translating the New Testament into their tribal language, he actually came across the word peace and then was dumbfounded because he didn't have the proper translation for that word, peace. One day, though, the Munain people's chief was promised a 20-minute plane ride to a neighboring village. See, it was a 20-minute plane ride, but in the jungles of Colombia, it would be a three-day journey by foot. When the plane didn't show up, the chief set out on foot. Now, as he was traveling on foot, the plane arrived, so a runner was sent to grab the chief and bring him back to jump on the plane. By the time they got back to the plane, the plane had taken off and left them. And this prompted the chief to repeat the same phrase over and over. When Walton was able to have that phrase translated, he discovered that the chief kept on saying this one phrase because at the time he didn't know what he was saying. But what he was saying, and this is translated into English, he was saying, I don't have one heart. I don't have one heart. I don't have one heart. So Walton asked the villagers, what does it even mean? What does it mean to have one heart? He learned that it meant this. There is nothing between you and the other person. That's what he learned. That was it. He had his translation for the word peace. Church, because of Jesus, we have one heart with God our Father. There is now nothing between us. We have no sin between us. We have no guilt between us. We have no condemnation between us. There is absolutely nothing between us and our God, the Father. And this is all because of the grace, that gift extended to us through Jesus Christ. And this brings us to our first point this morning. And this point is simple. No God, no Jesus, no grace, no peace, no church. No God, no Jesus, no grace, no peace, no church. Again, our main idea this morning states this. A church focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, despite circumstance, is worth boasting about. Do you know what I think would be incredible? Just absolutely incredible? If we could go a little Muhammad Ali here at Villa's Grace. I'm being serious. I'm not talking about get in the ring with each other and settle our differences. I mean, because after all, Pastor Jared did tell us today that he can't lift his arms up, which means he worked out really, really hard all week, which means he probably punches light, right? No, I'm joking. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not condoning violence. After all, we just got done speaking about peace. But I think it would be incredible if we can go just a little bit Muhammad Ali here at Villa's Grace Church. However, not as it pertains to us, not as it pertains to us as individuals, but rather we can brag and boast about the people of Villa's Grace Church. We can brag and boast about our steadfastness despite future persecutions. 
potential future persecutions that is due to our faith in Jesus Christ. Just like Paul bragged and boasted about the church in Thessalonica, steadfastness in the midst of their persecutions because of their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, let's face it. Look at what's going on around you. Look at everything that is going on around you. It's not going to get any easier. If you think things are going to get better, you're not looking at what's going on around you. If we just open our eyes and ears, we clearly can see and hear that it's not going to get any easier from this point forward. So, the question is, with that being said, can we be a church to boast about? Do you want to be a church to boast about? Would you want somebody else to boast about our church? We're encouraged in as much in verses 3 and 4. See, in verse 3, there are two reasons for Paul, Savannah, and Timothy to give thanks to the Thessalonians. First, as it says, their faith is growing abundantly. Their faith is growing abundantly. And secondly, their love for one another is, as it says, increasing. Now, what we know now is this is an answer to Paul's prayer. Those two things happened because it was an answer to Paul's prayer. And this is a prayer that he prayed from his first letter, because as we stated it from the outset, this is the second letter. But in the first letter, just allow me to read this. This will not be on your screen. I'm going to read Paul's prayer from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. He said this, he says, As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Do you know what would be incredible? If we not only went a little Muhammad Ali here at Villa's Grace and boasted on our own church, but if we also prayed for Villa's Grace Church too. Church, this is an example of a prayer that God answers according to His will. Paul wasn't praying for fortune and fame for the church in Thessalonica. No. What was he praying for? Their faith and their love to increase. Brothers and sisters, prayer changes people. Prayer changes situations. And prayer changes Outcomes. Paul says we ought always to give thanks to God. We ought always to give thanks to God. This is because of the work that the Lord is doing. Which is evidenced through answered prayer. Church, once again, let's face it. Look at what's going on around you. It's not going to get any easier. After all, any easy life leads to a shallow faith. 
Any easy life leads to a shallow faith. It's just like that quote from G. Michael Humph. Some of you maybe have heard this quote before. It's from his work, a post-apocalyptic novel. Once I probably start reading this quote, you're going to be like, oh, I think I've heard that before. His quote says this, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. What's going on around you? I know what's going on around me. I know what I'm seeing. I know what I'm hearing. And I'm hearing a whole lot of weak men create hard times. Pray for our church like Paul did the Thessalonian church. Pray for Villa's Grace Church so we can be a church to boast about in Jesus Christ. Pray for other gospel-believing and other gospel-preaching churches as well. Not just this church. And just because a church claims to be a church, it really doesn't mean that it is in fact a church. Pray for those who are truly outposts of the kingdom of God Preaching, teaching, and accepting the good news for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our model and motivation for this is found in verse 4, because Paul says this, he says, Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God. You see that? We boast about you in the churches of God. God. See, what I'm seeing is people get encouraged. We don't just boast about our church because we want to say, hey, we're the biggest and baddest on the block. That's not what we're getting at here. Be a church to boast about so other people can see our example and say, I want some of that too, but I don't want it because of them. I want it because of him. Paul is not merely boasting for the sake of boasting. He is boasting here with purpose. And that purpose is found in the rest of verse 4 where it states, for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions in, in the affliction that you are enduring. Hmm, what's going on again around you? Can you not see what's coming? It's, it's, it's coming. Again, allow me to highlight persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Church, allow me to reiterate. I'm going to read that quote one more time. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. So as Joe comes up and joins me, and we close out this morning... We understand that the church in Thessalonica was experiencing persecutions and afflictions. All because they were confessing Jesus Christ and Him crucified for their sins. Actually, let's back that up. For their sin. Because they, they know that they are inherently sinful Jesus didn't merely die for my sins committed. He died for my sinfulness, our sinfulness. After all, it's the righteousness of Christ and the godliness of His work that will bring opposition to us. 
let's face it. That opposition is already here. And it's only beginning. In order for someone to trust God in difficult times, one must first suffer through a difficult time themselves. You cannot read about it. You cannot hear about it. You have to experience it. Therefore, we shouldn't pray for things to be easy. That's not what we're being encouraged to pray for. We should pray that God makes us strong, just like Pastor Jared. For those of you that missed it, he tried to flex, but he couldn't get his arms up. He's lifted too much this week. That God makes us strong. Strong so our faith is growing and strong so that our love of every one of you, for as it says here in the text, is increasing despite what society says about the Bible, despite what society believes about Jesus Christ, despite what we have to lose, which is nothing anyway. One of the perks of being a Christian, after all, is that we forfeit the world for an everlasting, eternal soul. We have nothing to lose. And this brings us to our second and final point. Pray for strength because hard times are coming. Pray for strength because hard times are coming. Church, this letter to the Thessalonians is a great encouragement to us to do as they did. It's not for us to be the example. It's for us to follow their example. Again, our first point stated, no God, no Jesus, no grace, no peace, no church. We want to be a church because we have God, because we have faith in the work of Jesus. Therefore, we've accepted his grace and we experience his peace which is a lot easier for us to be strong knowing that we are surrounded by the peace of the Lord no matter the circumstance that happens around us. And speaking of circumstance, for a final time, our main idea, that one sentence that ties all four of these verses together. A church focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ despite circumstance is worth boasting about. So what is it, church? Who wants to go a little Muhammad Ali with me about what the Lord is doing here through His good news at Villa's Grace Church. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can continue to learn more about You, but in a way that draws others to You. Use us, Lord. Continue to open doors for us to present the good news, but prepare those hearts to receive His work, to believe, to receive this gift of faith that You have given us. I pray that we are able to do this despite whatever it is that we encounter in the future, Lord. I pray that we can keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sinfulness. We pray all of this in His name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email connect at villasgrace.com.